Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path of recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, brother. What's going on, Mr. Mikey? Smiley Mike. They they call you Smiley Mike for a reason. Well, you know, my dentist calls me Thank You Mike for a reason. (laughs) $50,000 mouth mic, right? Uh, That's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. So... Every investment into into my my smile and my sobriety. So I worked on my smile this week at the dentist. I'm working on my sobriety this morning with you and a couple of other friends. Boom, man. That's awesome. And I got the big cup of coffee here, the extra large coffee. It's about my fourth one already today. So I'm I'm pretty well teed up. It's always good to connect. You don't have any any of the fancy stuff in there like sugar and cream, do you? No, man. I actually go for the cheapest. I, I use a K cup, and I I try to go on Amazon for the cheapest price per K cup. And it, to me, it tastes just like whatever premium brand you want. So I'm saving money, Mikey. Well, the ex Mrs. Bezos thanks you. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, man. So so hey, we, we we got a special little thing we're doing today, little uh, trial. Um, so we are connected with a you know as you know we're connected with a bunch of folks out there and in social media land, on Twitter, on Instagram. <clears throat> and, um, you know, read a lot of good stuff, connect with some good people, and, and hear a lot of good stories. Um, and and one of the things that, that keeps popping up, and it's probably a, I mean, for me, it's a relatively new term out there. Um, and, and maybe it's because, you know, I mean, we're recording this in May, and, and it's hard to follow the timeline of our episodes. We're recording in May. But coming off of January, right? January was like, you know, drive January, you know, and and then I saw people like, you know, hashtag drive February and hashtag, you know, drive 2022, right? And 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 so I started seeing this hashtag out there and, and this theme, sober curious, hmm. right? So I mean, especially a lot of folks are connecting with us and and they're tired of the pain, you know, they're hungover last night. You know, hung over the last week. You know, just the, the pain of drinking, the the results, and and they're like, okay, what's sobriety, right? So they start searching sobriety on on Google, right? And they start finding stuff, and you know, finding you know sober social media accounts and whatever. So you know, people out there are sober curious, you know, just like I was, right? Because I, I knew drinking was a problem. I'm like, man, what's this not drinking stuff, you know? And and, and there's so much fear and and so I, I, I thought we'd, we'd break apart, you know, a little time today and do something different, right? Mm-hmm. To, to maybe serve those people who are sober curious or maybe even AA curious, right? Mm-hmm. But before I do, I want to tell a story about a guy I connected with several years ago on, you know, I've got a um, sober Twitter account called Stay Sober Today. And a guy reached out and he goes, hey, man, how do you do this sobriety stuff, right? And what's this AA stuff? And I talked to him for three months and, and he refused to go to the AA rooms. He refused, you know, and, and so I connected with him and I stayed connected. We talked on the phone several times and he said, look, I don't want to go to AA because I live in a smaller town and, and how this stuff works, funny as can be. He lives in like the town I grew up in, right? 
in like the Philadelphia area. And uh, so how, how odd is that? And he's like, I don't want to go in the rooms because I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want people to know that I have a problem. And I said to him, I said, dude, I, I, I totally get that. But just, just to kind of tee you up a little bit, they have the same problem. That's why they're in the rooms. And, and he never thought of it that way. He's like, oh, my God. Okay, me. So he finally, you know, after three months on Twitter, three months of phone calls, of being sober curious, of being AA curious, he finally goes into the rooms. Long story short, stayed connected with them. You know, I was kind of his temporary sponsor or whatever for a while. And then he got a sponsor from the rooms. And he just celebrated two years of sobriety. Changed his life. It's just because he's out on social media and sober curious. So what I thought we'd do is do a first step meeting. And we brought some of our friends in the room with us, in the coffee shop with us. And a lot of people are like, well, what's this AA stuff? What does an AA meeting look like? What is, what is, what is it going to look like the first time I walk in the room because I'm petrified? And we have six people on the phone today, you know, on our virtual coffee shop. And all six of us wondered that same thing. All six of us had that pit in our stomach. What's it like to go in the room? All six of, so, us, walked, all six of us walked into that room the first time, right? That's right. That's right. So what I thought we'd do, and, and Mikey, I'll bounce it to you. I, I thought we'd run an actual open, and Mike, I'll let you explain what that is, open AA meeting. And typically when somebody walks in for the first time, we do what they call a first step meeting. There's 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We do a first step meeting. And that's where everybody just goes around and kind of shares at will their experience, strength, and hope. Their, their story, right, of what brought them into the room, what happened, what they did, and what it's like. Right. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of sharing some hope. And, and you know, it's funny because sometimes, you know, we use jargon and stuff and, it, you know, some of it's not going to make sense or it's going to sound like a bunch of, you know, metaphors or whatever. Um, you know, but, you know, our message is just sit through it. Just listen. You are very welcome. If, if you're sober curious, if you're AA curious, you are very welcome. And, um, you know, feel free to reach out to us afterwards. You know, we're on all kinds of social media, Sober.Coffee podcast. We're on Sober.Coffee website. Um, Stay Sober Today, Twitter handle. We're at Sober Coffee Pod on Twitter. So a lot of ways to connect with us. But with that, I'll bounce it to you, Mikey. And, and, you know, I'll let you be the chairperson. Okay. And we'll run it like a normal meeting. Yeah. So chairperson, you know, when you walk into the rooms, there's there's usually a gal or a guy sitting up in front and they got some paper in front of them. The chairperson at a AA meeting is just a facilitator. That's what they are. They make sure the door was open for you this morning when you walked in. Uh, they make sure that the meeting goes uh, according to oil stays under 59 minutes. What is it? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but most importantly, they make yeah. sure the coffee's poured. Make sure the coffee's poured, right. So... The uh, the chairperson will call the order the meeting to order. So I'm I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to go through, and then we're going to go through it, and then we'll talk about what we went through. So there's a, there's a, a format, and most AA uh, meetings are are uh, follow some format. So you can go to regions all around the globe, and uh, which I have and and experienced different meeting settings. So, but but there's a format that's usually followed throughout. 
throughout the world. And um, so we're going to follow that format. We're going to open it up with uh, a quiet time followed by the serenity prayer. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the organization. We're going to talk about the meeting. Then we're going to do some readings, uh, one to begin the meeting and one to close the meeting. The one to begin the meeting is found, uh, it's taken from pages 58 and 59 of what they call the Alcoholics Anonymous book or the big book. And, uh, and it's, it's uh, you know, two pages of reading, but it's, uh, I, I beg you to pay attention to it because it's, it's kind of what got us to this point right now of sobriety and, uh, and maybe you know, your first time here, this is maybe the journey. You'll see it unfolding in front of you. And then um, then we'll open it up to the room. They'll share their experience, strength, and hope with you. And then uh, we'll close up by reading again from the uh, big book, page 86, 84. Yes. Uh, called The Promises. And uh, we'll close up with that. And uh, so that's pretty much how the meeting is going to go. So start out by saying hello everybody i'm mike i'm an alcoholic hey mike hey mike to which everybody says hey giddy up mike um i announced the uh the closed meeting statement or in this case the open meeting statement and that is simply that uh alcoholics anonymous in support of aa singleness of purpose attendance at open meetings this open meeting is limited to persons who have a desire to stop drinking. If you think you have a problem with alcohol, you are more than welcome to attend this meeting. We do ask during this meeting that when discussing your problems, you can find your, those problems as they relate to alcoholism. Can we start this meeting with a quiet time followed by the serenity prayer, please? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I'll remind all our participants today, so we'll do a little housekeeping. Keep yourself muted till you're open to talk. Um, announcements. Um, we will usually take place any AA-related announcements, but we won't have any for this particular meeting. Then we talk about the seventh tradition, right? So how does this whole thing work? Uh, who gets paid, right? Follow the money. My dad always told me, follow the money. Uh, AA is a funny kind of sort of way. Um, you can follow the money and it's not going to go much further than the basket you throw your buck or two into. Um, usually what's requested is to throw a buck or two in the basket and that just keeps the doors open and the Folgers in the pot. Um, there is no hierarchy uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous. There's no um, dues that are are needed. Uh, just a desire to stop drinking is the only requirement for membership, and we are self-supporting in our own contributions. So then we open the meeting with, and Glenn, you're going to help me out with this a little bit. We're going to open up with the um, with pages 58 and 59 of the Big Book book, and it's a segment called How It Works. We can and ping I'll, pong it. We'll ping pong. I'll start it out, and then Glenn and I will ping pong it. So it goes like this. <clears throat> Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. 
their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided that you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Now, at some of these we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness and at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember, we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power, that one is God, may you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked ourselves, we asked, <coughs> excuse me, his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and see that God could and would if he were sought. Again, those are readings from page 58, 59 of the Alcoholics Big Book. Sometimes at meetings, uh, we'll do uh, readings from some daily devotionals to, uh, to drive a topic or point us to a direction of conversation. But today we're gonna honor you, the first time listener uh, who's in the room, and we're just gonna go around the room uh, as they say, as the Spirit leads us, and just kind of share a little bit about what our journey, what got us into Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, what we're doing to keep ourselves sober, and what life looks like now that we are sober. So I'm going to open up the floor 
to anybody who would like to share a little bit of experience, strength, and hope with our new listeners. Hi, I'd like to go first. My name is Ruthann, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Ruthann. Hi, Hi. Um, so I do welcome our newcomers, uh, somebody that might be listening in and, and hearing us uh, speak, because I, I don't even know. I, I think I was sober ignorant <laughs> before coming into the room. I didn't even, I'd heard of AA um, way back, and I thought, you know, back in the day, I'm like, why, why don't they just stop drinking? What's the big deal? Why can't somebody stop drinking? But I'd like to tell you what it was like for me and what happened and what it's like now. So I probably didn't drink most of my life, or if I did was, you know, teenage Boone's Farm kind of stuff. And then um, went into raising kids and, you know, having a family and and focusing on a career. And um, then began taking care of parents. And, you know, I had a, you know, very full to that point, typical, I thought, life. And then some things started happening. Um, Things started crumbling around me. And at that time, I... My coping was, you know, well, I'll come home and have a drink of, you know, I'll have wine. And, and, and I then learned, I became like bougie on wine. I did all kinds of fancy things on wine. And I had all of the, the paraphernalia and uh, it was all good. I was fancy. And then I found, well, I'll have another, you know, maybe one in the, in the you know, with a mimosa in the morning. And, and, you know, over the course, pretty quickly, like over the course of two to three, maybe four years, I plummeted. I got to the point where I was, I, I couldn't not drink. I had to drink and my body needed it. So I, um, I really crashed out and I thought, well, let's see what is available. So at that point, I might've become sober, not so much sober curious, but oh my gosh, desperation had to find a solution. Um, my first introduction walking in a door was, you know, very apprehensive, um, t- typical to cry <laughs> most of the meeting. Well, we all know that because um, if, if anyone else I see coming in the room, my, my heart goes out to them. I'm very sympathetic because I know what it's like personally, and each of us uh, knows that. And listened to those that were talking, and, and they shared very much like we're doing um, shared what it was like for them and and when listening i don't you know i didn't i they, i was told not to you know compare like oh well i didn't have a dui oh i didn't go to jail uh you know um i didn't lose anything um i didn't think at the time i had lost anything um but i had lost things like my self-respect and and you know um, my own pride and um and and the uh, respect of others as well so um but listen to find the similarities and and you know my part on this was is that i just could not stop drinking i needed it all day long and so um listening to their stories helped me realize and i kind of thought they were fake like how could they laugh they're just faking it i came here to find out how we could drink a little bit and not you know how how to be a normal drinker well um i kept coming back uh it might my my beginnings were not perfect, but it's about progress. Um, when I did fall off um, during the first you know, couple of months, I, I had a couple of ins and outs and slips as we like to call them. Um, but, you know, cause I, I just thought I could still be normal drinker. And, um, you know, I, I learned my lesson through that and I had to prove it to myself. 
So um, at this point, you know, now I, 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 I've got, I got to the point where I, I now honestly can say, I do not have the desire to drink. It, and, and it only came through working the program, working with others. And this really, to me, is a life program. It's not one where you come in and you just apply it to, you know, this little aspect of my life. It becomes, it integrates. And through the program, I've learned more about myself, which is what I think I was always seeking. There is a spiritual aspect. Um, I find that um, it's not the religious, you know, the structure ruled, um, you know, uh, harshness of, of some religions, um, but it is spiritual. And I find that um, very much integrated part of my life. So, so my life is full. I do have my, my, res the, um, the, res I have my own self respect and, 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 and pride while keeping the humility. I am honored at one point in my, and when I was, things were happening through my first early sobriety, like I was two years in, I had my world crash around me again, um, between, you know, after, after just getting married after several years with, um, my beloved, uh, we got married and four months later he died. And four months later, I lost my job. Four months later, I got a new job, but COVID hit. So I had to learn a new platform, new people, new company, and a new delivery mode of it since we were all working from home. Um, the fun continued in four month increments uh, of things, but it was a two-year series. And do you know, I held, it's not just even holding on, I kept my peace and serenity uh, through that. So I'm just very um, thankful for the program, to the program and to those that I, I see in the rooms every day because you get to know each other well. And, you know, it's... Um, it's not a matter of, it's not group therapy. It is, it's life and we're working together for that. We genuinely care. So um, that's all I know so far. I'm learning more every day. Thank you for listening. Thanks for Dan. Thanks for Dan. Hey, good morning guys. My name's Matt and hey, I am Matt. an alcoholic. Hey Matt. And morning. Uh, Ruthann, thanks for uh, the lead this morning and Mike and Glenn, great job on, uh, you know, this podcast and, and allowing, you know, me the opportunity to be here today. Um, but ultimately AA is the reason I could be here today and, and, and have this discussion openly, um, with not only the people that are on this, on this, uh, segment, but you know, any of the listeners, um, you know, you mentioned experience, strength, and hope. I didn't know what those words meant before I came into the room. Um, my experience was, you know, how can I find that next drink? How do I find that next bottle? Um, you know, it, it, it's, this is a very ego deflating program. Um, you know, and I didn't know what that, what that meant because ego drove me. Uh, it was, it, you know, felt great when I was traveling the country for my career and being recognized when I walked into a nice hotel that I've been numerous times and they say, Hey, how you doing, Matt? And, you know, lo and behold, it was the bartender because I saw him probably more than I saw my customers on those trips. Um, but I didn't think I had a problem. I didn't think I had a problem until I tried to get back home from Houston one time. Um, and I, I was paralyzed. I really didn't know, you know, what I was doing. I drank all morning and I probably, you know, we, we talk about hitting bottom and, and, and the pain. Um, I didn't realize the pain that I was going through or what I was causing to the people around me over all those years of, of drinking, um, because that's how important alcohol was to me. Um, 
you know, and that, that's what drove me. And the funny thing was, is, is I called my sponsor and I didn't really recognize when, what that program meant at that point in time by reaching out. And I should have reached out before, obviously, before I grabbed the bottle, but I didn't at that time. But this person was willing to fly from Chicago to Houston to help me get home. And at that point, I'm like, my best friends wouldn't have done that. That bartender sure wasn't around to help me get home uh, from Houston to Chicago. Um, so that world that I was living in was, was such a facade and such a, an ego-driven world that really the only thing that mattered was me. That's when I, I, I recognized I, I, well, not that I recognized I had a problem, but when I finally confronted it and, you know, went to my first meeting. And that first meeting was, was basically uh, held at a hospital. Uh, there was 100 people in the room. And I went because my spouse just kept squawking, you need help, you need help. And finally, I'm like, all right, I'll go to a meeting. And it was more to just kind of calm that, that noise in my head. So I went to this meeting and I was the wallflower, of course, because I didn't really, I wasn't all in. I didn't have, I, I had a, a toe dipped in the water, as we say. Um, but again, it was more to pacify my wife. So as everybody was going around the room, you know, it's like, you know, this person was, you know, drinking, they lost their home as, as you know, was said earlier here, you know, I didn't get a DUI. I didn't lose my house. I didn't lose my career yet. Um, you know, and as I sat back, I, all I kept thinking to myself is, I'm not that bad. I'm not like these people. I can't be that bad. And all I was doing was justifying why I didn't need to be in that room. So I, I leave the meeting and, uh, you know, I come home and I tell my wife, I said, man, those people were really, really racked and messed up. Um, and I, I convinced her for a period of time that, you know, I was okay. Um, maybe I just had a bad day or maybe I lashed out or was angry because, uh, you know, things didn't go my way that day. And, uh, you know, a couple months later, I, I met uh, a group through an IOP program. Um, and it was the same program that my sponsor was an alumni of. Um, and that's how I connected with, with this group. And if it wasn't for this group, I don't know where I'd be. I really don't. Well, I do. I'd probably either be in jail, um, dead, or probably, you know, under, uh, you know, under a rock somewhere. You know, the program is, is simple to follow. That's simple to live because we have choices and overcoming that repetitive motion of alcohol and, and that obsession. Once you break that, as Ruth Ann said, every day becomes management. Life still comes at us. Life still comes at me. Nothing has stopped around me. I know now how to handle that. The tools in my you know, AA toolbox um, that I've learned not only from being in these rooms, but through the steps allows me to, to deal with things instead of cut and run and, and, and race back to that, that alcohol. Um, and it was tough. I mean, alcohol is in front of us 24 seven. You know, if you have a job, you're going past those local haunts that, uh, you know, that, that we used to go into or every ad that you see on TV is, is promoting alcohol. Guest toast promote alcohol. Um, you know, and, and it's difficult to pull away from that, but, that's when you just have to really bear down and, and use the
their room, use the network, use the, you know, I, I call it, and we all call it kind of our, our built-in army of, of support. Everybody in this room, I, I know personally, and I know personally from being in this program. And, and I know that I can reach out to anybody and, and vice versa, but I know that, they tr that I can trust them. There was no judgment. No matter what I did, this program didn't pass judgment. It welcomed me with open arms, even in the, in the, in the worst days of my life. And, and it helped me prop myself back up where, hey, I'm a good citizen again. I'm, I'm, I'm clear-headed, uh, I'm present in the life of my family. Not everything's right yet. I still have some some work to do with uh, two of my children that uh, you know I, I kind of damaged in, in the past, but I'm working towards getting better there. Um, but every day I wake up, it, it's such a refreshing thought that I'm not racing around my house looking for that bottle that I hid the night before. I'm not trying to scrounge around for quarters or nickels to say, how can I buy the cheapest booze possible just to take that edge off in the morning? Um, you know, so I, I'm very thankful and grateful for this program. I'm grateful for the, uh, the way that, uh, it, it opened up a spiritual connection for me as well. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Mike and Glenn, truthfully, you guys are, are, are rock stars. I mean, you know, I've listened to you guys from, from day one on this podcast and, uh, you know, that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's serving the coffee. It's, it's being there to provide a message, but it's also being there to support that that person that's ailing or sick next to you that, uh, you know, that I can help them become a sober person. So, you know, awesome. I appreciate uh, you guys inviting me this morning and, um, you know, looking forward to the future, man. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Hi, Mike. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, good morning, I'm, everyone. I'm, I'm Lynn. I'm an alcoholic. I'm just kidding, oh. Lynn. You're Lynn. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lynn. I'm an alcoholic. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, Mike and Glenn, thanks. Kudos to you guys. Um, amazing the service work you do and the, and the podcast and the program that you put out. Um, Ruthann, thanks for the lead. And, and Megan and Matt, your stories, too. Um, um, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I came into the rooms because my kids asked me to come into the rooms. Um, I did not come in the room because I thought I was an alcoholic. An alcoholic in my head was not me. Um, I didn't drink every day. I didn't drink even once a week sometimes. I didn't um, get up in the morning and drink. But it doesn't matter. I found out later it doesn't matter. And when I came into the rooms, my, my son introduced me to one of his friend's moms who was, <clears throat> excuse me, an alcoholic and asked me to call her. So I did. And she said, why don't you come in and see what it's like? So I did. I came in. She met me at the door so I didn't have to walk in all by myself. And I walked in. Everybody's laughing, you know. And, and I was like, I, I can do this, you know. I sat down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I came to the meeting every day um, for over six months, seven months, um, compared myself to everybody else in the room instead of not doing that. Um, I didn't drink every day. I didn't have a DUI. I didn't, haven't been in jail. Never hurt anybody. Um, all those things. I, I did just the opposite of what they say to do. And 
not doing it on purpose, but that's just how I felt. I, I thought, I don't drink every day. So I missed a few parties. So I missed a few family functions. So I sat at home and drank by myself. So what? I'm not bothering you. Um, <clears throat> so came in the rooms, listened to those readings that, that Mike and, and Glenn did earlier. And all I heard was, want, want, want. Um, not on purpose. It wasn't being disrespectful. But it, it just didn't connect. Um, I got a sponsor. My sponsor told me to um, just hang on. You'll get it. Just to sit and listen for a while. Okay. So that's what I did. And um, 11 months later, I decided I could probably go out and have a drink. I haven't drank in 11 months. I'm fine. What's the big deal if I have a drink? And that one drink got me three days in the emergency room detoxing three days later in a psych ward before I went to a 30-day rehab. It was in the middle of COVID. I went to the 30-day rehab. I, uh, my roommate got COVID. I started having panic, attack, panic attacks and I left um, because I didn't want to get COVID. So I came back in the rooms and I listened again. I got a sponsor. She started walking me through the steps and I still didn't think I was an alcoholic. After all that, I, I thought, you know what? I, I, I could probably have a drink. I could probably do this. Now you would think after going through, you know, <laughs> A, a three-day stint in the hospital and then another three days in the hospital and a 30-day program, I would have gotten it. But again, in the back of my head, I didn't drink every day. So one more time, I tried it. But I stopped myself. And I went back immediately. I didn't get too far. I went back immediately into the rooms. And I heard somebody say, um, you have to believe you're in a problem. And I do. I do now, and I'm here, and I've been here, and I take this program very serious. I didn't lose my kids. I could have lost my kids. I never hurt anybody. I could have. Um, but the fact of the matter is I hid bottles in my house, and I lived alone. Um, so, you know, to somebody that maybe <clears throat> doesn't think that they're an alcoholic, there's so many things that... Um, I missed out on and I lost out on because I didn't take it serious. And I, again, I didn't do it out of disrespect. I just didn't think I was an alcoholic. Um, and the fact of the matter, absolutely I am. And I, I say it a lot. I'm not happy to admit that I'm an alcoholic. And I'm damn happy I found this program because my life is amazing. Um, since I've come back in the rooms and I was never a bad person um, just because I drank. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, but the, all the things that have changed in my life, the, you know, being off of medicines, um, no more depression. I, you know, I drank because I was depressed and I didn't even know it. And hello, alcohol is a depressant. So it made it worse. Um, but just the fact that I figured it out and I have a second chance and man, life, life is wonderful. Um, bad things still happen. 
um, life is not perfect. Um, but the fact that I can handle things now and I don't have to crawl into a bottle to figure it out. Um, and when I did crawl into a bottle, it didn't help. Instead, it just it lasted for three days sometimes. Um, and, and then, like I say, I, I wasn't a drinker every day, but boy, when I picked up that drink, I didn't stop. Um, and, and the fact that I know now that that obsession is gone. It's lifted. It's gone. I don't think about it. I get alcohol in my face every day. We all do. It's in our face. It's in a commercial. It's on a program. It's and it all looks wonderful and romantic and bougie and you know, but it's not. It's not for me, and it's not for an alcoholic. Um, there are people that can handle it, but I, I couldn't, and that's why I'm here. Um, and I hope, my hope for anybody that comes into the room is that they take it serious. And, and again, I don't think that I was doing it on purpose. Um, but listen to the words, take the words that people say and, and truly, you know, take it to heart and, and listen. And, you know, if you're here, you probably need to be here. If you walked in the rooms, you probably need to stay in the rooms. Um, and I'll tell you again, life, is is wonderful it's a great experience and, and the people i've met in these rooms amazing um and i will continue to be in the rooms on a daily basis because um it makes me a better person so um that's all i got and i just hope that and pray that if if you've come in here you stay and you'll hear something that will click that will keep you coming back that's all i got thanks thanks, thanks, thanks lynn hey everybody Glenn, alcoholic. Um, yeah, you know, when, when we do these first step meetings, I always think back to the first time that I came into AA. And, um, you know, I it, it wasn't my lifelong dream to go into AA. I actually, um, you know, growing up, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people start drinking when they're young. I probably drank a, a six pack in high school and a six pack in college uh, just because of how I was brought up. And, you know, but then I started in the business world and I got, you know, in 1995, you know, I was 30, 30, you know, I got promoted and, you know, we worked hard during the day and started, you know, drinking at night and partying at night. And, you know, we uh, worked hard, played hard. And man, you know, it just really caught on, on quick. But, but for me, for a long period of time, you know, booze worked, drinking worked, cocktails worked. Um, you know, I'm kind of an outgoing person, so it wasn't like I was trying to overcome shyness, but it was it was fun fuel, or it was fuel for fun, and um, you know, I, I did that for for several years, and then somewhere along the line, I crossed the line from fun drinking to problem drinking. Uh, I realized that kind of quick. Uh, after a couple of years, I was tailgating at my daughter's dance uh, recital, um, and I kind of knew normal people, normal drinkers don't, you know, go out in the middle and tailgate. Um, and then in 2003, you know, I had a issue at the masters, um, actually blacked out, passed out, busted my face open. And, and, um, you know, I, I knew all along I had a problem, you know, so step one says, you know, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. I knew at that point I was powerless over alcohol. I was living my life. I was building my life around when I was going to get my next drink. 
And, you know, so I was at the Masters, had a disaster. And two days later, you know, I went into a rehab. And, and I picked a posh rehab in Laguna Beach. And I picked it for the right reasons. I picked it because it had beach yoga, uh, you know, running on the beach. And, and I probably had never ran in my life, but I thought that sounded cool. And, you know, I was going to do that in sobriety and had a private chef. And, you know, it had, you know, group therapy on the, you know, back deck overlooking the ocean. I'm like, wow, I can heal there. You know, I'll fix my problem there. And so I was in a six day detox and, and I finally, you know, woke up enough to come out of detox and walked me across the hall into an AAD. And I felt scammed. I'm like, look, the website didn't say anything about AA. What, what the crap is this? And, you know, so I didn't really, you know, go willingly. Um, and, uh, you know, long story short, um, AA is a simple program. You know, I complicated it. Um, I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to work AA when I felt like it, when it was convenient for me. And I wanted to reword everything. So it, so it suited me. And I got the result. And the result was well over 75, you know, hospitalizations, detoxes. I spent, I had four full inblown, full blown um, inpatient rehab centers, one for four months, including sober living. I've been several sober livings, 45 day, day hospital program at Rush here in Chicago, you know, and, you know, 10 PhDs lined up going to tell me, you know, why I drank and figure it out and make it so I don't drink. You know, I drank right all through that program. Um, you know, and, and I couldn't live without a drink. I got to the point where I lost everything. I lost relationships, marriages, kids. I lost money. I lost everything. Um, and then in 2014, and, and there were periods in there where I put them, you know, periods of sobriety, you know, three months here, six months there. You know, there was one time I made it to 13 months. I was at a conference out in Colorado looking at the mountains, and I was on the phone with my sponsor. What I was supposed to be doing on the phone with my sponsor, and I remember telling him, "My dude, I've got this." And I hung up, and I drank disastrous relapse all the way home on the plane. And uh, and then in 2014 September, I went out to a conference in Palm Springs. I relapsed on my way out there. I had a you know bottle of vodka in my backpack. You know, as I was doing business meetings in the last four days of the conference, I have zero memory. I was total blackout for four days straight until I landed up in a hospital in Palm Springs. I was in six hospitals across the country that week. I landed up in an eight-day detox. And on a Friday afternoon, I was sitting on my counselor's floor of what was going to be a four-month program. And I couldn't even sit in a chair. I was so hurt. And I looked at my counselor and I said, dude, I will. I, this is my point of surrender. I said, dude, I will do anything you tell me to do. I just cannot take the next drink. And I did everything he told me to do, whether I felt like it or not. Most of the time I didn't feel like it, but I did it. And I did things in that four month program. I surrendered to the steps of AA, meaning I'm going to do what this book tells me to do. Not what Glenn wants to do in this book, but what this book tells me to do. I surrendered to my sponsor. And still to this day, I have almost seven years sober and I do what the program tells me to do. I do what my sponsor tells me to do. I do what the people of this program, when I come to these meetings, I take their suggestions. I use their tools 
because they were able to get through those situations without having to take a drink. And over seven years, I have got through many situations that were scary. I needed courage. I was fearful of them. They sucked. And I was able to get through them using this program without having to take a drink. And one of the things we're going to read at the end of this meeting are the AA promises. And it was funny. I heard them at a meeting after, you know, two years in, I turned to the guy next to me. I'm like, man, those promises are awesome. When do we start reading those? Like Glenn, we've read those at the end of every meeting for the last two years that you've been at. But that just tells me where my head was at. My head was always somewhere else. Had a lot of head trash going on. But the promises really you know, outline, if you work this program, before you're halfway through, you're going to be amazed. And it makes a list of all the stuff, you know, the good stuff that you're going to get back, the good stuff is going to happen. And I remember going home that night and writing down, I lived with a sober dude for almost three years. And I remember up in my bedroom with the sun setting, I remember writing down everything I was going to get back that I lost. The big house, the big job, all the money, the relationships, my daughter. I was going to get it all back. And what I can say today, and think about it when you listen to the promises, those promises are 100% coming true for me today. But it looks nothing like that initial list that I wrote down. And the only thing that I can attribute that to today is I am no longer driving my life. I am letting the program of AA drive my life. I'm letting a higher power that I have a relationship drive my life. My sponsor's input is helping drive my life. It's hard to fix the problem with the same brain that created it. So those outside influence are really helpful to me. And the key line in the promises is they will always come true. If we work for them, they will always come true. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say, hey, for the you know, chosen few, they will always materialize if we work for them. But there's a couple of key words. It says sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. For me, my whole life, I wanted instantaneous success, instantaneous results. Give me a pill, right? Solve my problem today. What I've learned through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is that sometimes slowly, I'm on the slow train, but I learned by connecting here, I've learned tools to suffer better through situations I don't like, to accept situations I don't like, not to jump in and try to force everything, because that was my old way. You know, I'd manipulate, I'd use my words, my actions never match my words. And I lived a, you know, I learned to live a different, live a different way of living. And it's created amazing results. I know we used a lot of phrases here. Um, you know, my, my suggestion is keep coming back, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, AA is a cult. I don't think so. I mean, you, you can leave AA anytime you want. But I have learned to live differently in AA, and it's an amazing life, and I'm very grateful for it. So my, my suggestion is just keep coming back, latch on. People in this program, we no longer do this stuff alone. My life became unmanageable. I was powerless. I could not stop drinking. I had to go to a hospital and it was bad, but I don't have to drink today. There's, you know, I can get through today, you know, without having to take a drink. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the opportunity to jump in and share my story 
And I'd love to connect further on the podcast individually or whatnot. And I really appreciate everybody jumping on today. Thanks. Thanks, Glenn. <clears throat> so as, uh, as chair, uh, I get to, I get to do the last word. Uh, and I also keep my eye on the clock. So we're approaching the top of the hour. I'm going to keep this kind of quick, but, uh, you know, I can't thank everybody in this room for the shares and, you know, I heard so many people say, yeah, I've learned so much in these rooms. Well, what did we learn today? You know, I mean, I look around the screen and I, and I, you know, I took some notes, but I, I couldn't keep up with it. I really need to re-listen to this podcast again because, uh, because there was pointers in there. You just have to listen through the story. There's, there's pointers, there's notes, there's questions you can ask yourself. And, um, and I, I just, I just love it. I mean, I got so much out of this meeting for, for me, my, um, you know, I've got, I've got the drunk log too. And, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't like everybody said, it wasn't the things that I lost and it wasn't the craziness that I lived for me. It was the melting of my internal self. Uh, I, I lost myself. I, somewhere along the line, I went from, you know, a fun buzz, funny mic in the room to fast forward to a guy who would drink a fifth before he went to the party, have a glass of wine, uh, one glass and leave the party and go home and drink again, you know? And, and, and I wasn't the funny mic because I was afraid to open my mouth. That's where it came to in 2010. Uh, I was out in Las Vegas and, uh, I, I went out there for a conference. I never spent one day at the conference. I never spent one day on the floor of a casino. Uh, I, I holed up in my room and, uh, and I drank and, and drugged and I was, I was miserable and I was, I was comfort. I was comfortable in my miserability. And I just, I saw, I saw that as my total end. I, they banged on the do door of my room two days after I was supposed to check out and, uh, they were polite enough to escort me out of the hotel and uh, to the airport. <laughs> I got kicked out of Vegas. Mikey, who gets kicked out of Vegas? Who man? gets kicked out of Vegas, right? So that was 2010. You would think that I'd say, okay, Michael, this is a, a wake-up call. But I didn't. I didn't until uh, 2018. On September 13, October 13, 2018, I woke up and I staggered across the hall and uh, and funny Mike took a slug of his favorite poison, went into the bathroom and puked, and went back in the room and chugged again. And I stumbled out to the kitchen table. It was about 4:50 in the morning, and uh, I remember that because I looked at the clock, and uh, I I simply said I to myself I said I can't live like this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And then out loud, I said, I need help. And um, my wife had followed me down the hall when she heard me throwing up, right? Which is shocking because I threw up all the time. But this one time in particular, she followed me down the hall. She was standing in the kitchen. My eyes were closed. I said, I need help. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice say, are you serious? You need help? You want help? And I said, yes, I do. That was my last drink. I 
My life has changed in so many ways. I went to a rehab and, uh, and they introduced me to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'd heard about Alcoholics Anonymous before. As a matter of fact, over my years, some caring people left me a big book. I probably threw four or five of them away. Um, that's why there's millions of copies sold because a lot of people throw the first few away. Um, but I held on to the one that they gave me in, Al in rehab, my book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And it turns out for me anyway, the irony is, is that the, how it works is found on page 58, 59 of the big book. On October 13, 2018, I was exactly 59 years old. So that was where I was at. I was looking in the mirror saying, is this all life has to offer, right? And, and on page 58, 59 of the big book, there's the answer. There's the solution. Here's how it works. And uh, we worked the first couple of steps in rehab. And then, uh, and then I, I came out. My first day out of rehab, I went to a meeting. It was, uh, I was nervous as all get out. Uh, I didn't cry, but that, that was just at the first meeting. I, I ultimately did shed a tear. Once I realized it was okay, it was a safe haven uh, to cry. It took me a while in the rooms of alcohol and Alcoholics Anonymous to realize that nobody's judging me. And I heard, I heard that through you guys today. Nobody judged me on, on my past. Nobody cares about that I got kicked out of Vegas, really. They chuckle. And, and then we move on to the serious business of staying sober today. And I heard, I, I heard everybody's tale in this room. And I know that my tale is, is the same because we ended up at the same emotional place. And that's what's important to me. I sit in a room right now where people get me. And my whole life, I didn't feel people understood me at all. I was creative. I was this. I was that. I, you, you just people don't understand what's going on in my head. I'm depressed. I'm this. I'm that. And like Lynn said, I'm drinking a depressant, crying that I'm depressed. What did he think was going to happen? You know. And, but now I've got, now I've got a few days of sobriety underneath me. Um, how did I get here? You know, I got here by not doing this by myself that that's the one big change in my life is that i realized that this is something this program is a we program alcoholics anonymous as glenn pointed out you know the first words of how it works is you know we rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path and in the promises we it says if we are painstaking about this phase of our development it's a we program Asking for help didn't stop on October 13, 2018. I ask for help every time I walk into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, whether I say the words or I don't. I'm there because I need help. I need the help of the people that are in this room today. I need the help of the people that were in the rooms that I went to yesterday and tomorrow. Um, and hopefully I can help somebody who's coming into the room for the first time. And if you found yourself here for the first time, I'm going to echo what every single person has said. Just keep coming back. Give it a try. If these six stories didn't connect with you, give it a try. Here another six. If you still don't think you're an alcoholic, give it a try. Go out and try and drink. Manage your drinking. If you think that you're sober, curious, AA is a great place to land. <clears throat> I'm just going to close out by saying on our podcast, one of the things that we're 
rolling out this year is to look at other programs and other solutions that are out in the marketplace. Um, I can say emphatically that I did all my research and nobody touts the success ratio that Alcoholics Anonymous has, uh, just numerically. I mean, millions of people, millions of people have been cured of their drinking addiction by the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Have some people failed? Absolutely. Are there other programs out there that you can succeed with? I believe so. If Alcoholics Anonymous is not for you, I can just tell you emphatically from me, this program works if I work it. If I just open the book and read it like a novel, um, it's not a novel. It's a textbook and it tells me to engage with other people. It tells me to work the steps. It tells me to do service work. And what, what's the payoff for me? I've got a life that I never imagined. And I'm becoming the person I always wanted to be. So that's all I got. I want to thank everybody for sharing today. Yeah, um, thanks, everybody. We're awesome. going to close this meeting with the reading of the promises. And I've asked Lynn if she would read the promises from page 84, 86 of the big book. Love the promises. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Um, I am Lynn. I'm an alcoholic. These are the AA promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations with juiced factors. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think, we think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for we them. We work for them. Hey, let's send Thank our you. let's send our new timers off within unison. Everyone, come off a mute, and let's send them off with a keep coming back. You ready? One, two, three. Keep coming, keep coming back. back. Keep, keep coming, coming back. back. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.